to another episode of Failing Forward. I'm your host, Steve Hofstetter. If you enjoy the show, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, rate, do all of that stuff, whether you are listening to us on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are not sold because it's free, but uh, or YouTube or anywhere else you see us, uh, make sure to share it with your friends. That's how more people find out about this. Now, my guest today, every guest is special, but my guest today is the, what I would say, the definition of a working actress. Because, uh, so my guest, Kathleen Gaddy, you have been in so many things. Um, whether it's, you know, big name franchises like General Hospital or Arrow or 24 or uh, Walking Dead. There are so many shows that people will, I'm sure everybody watching this just goes, yes. And so, <laughs> you know, your, your IMDb is longer than I have time to read. Um, and I really wanted to talk to you about that because to there, there are so many people who are known for one thing, and that's not you. You are known for many things. You reinvent yourself in various different roles. And I wanted to talk to you about, instead of the success of doing all that, is let's talk about when it was fucked up. So When is, oh, sorry, when yeah, isn't it? <laughs> when isn't it? Um, so and now we were talking before we started recording about, you know, you have a couple of different stories. So hit us with them. Let's, let's start. This, let's get right into it. This career is one giant story of, of failure, yeah. I, I think. And thank you for saying that. Yes, I've done many, many things. But And people say, oh, you're the star. And I'm like, no, I am. Let me qualify this. I am a working actor. I don't know what star really means. A lot of celebrities and things like that, but to be a working actor is is huge and I'm grateful for it, but it takes a lot of work. And it has taken almost 40 years of continuous, I never stop, I can't stop. Because you know, if you fail, you gotta pick yourself up and keep going. What would happen if you stop? You know what, I don't want to. I, yeah. Nothing. I, I've done other things. I thought, well, I always wanted to have a bakery. I had a bakery. I, I wanted to produce film. I've had a production company. I, you know, I'm a grandparent now. I've got some grandkids that I, I can play with. And But there's not, I mean, I really love all those things. And I love hanging out with older people because I know one day if I'm lucky I'll get there and I hope somebody hangs out with me. So I, I have a lot of passions, but I love to act. I love to entertain people and, and to express emotion. And that's kind of where it started when I was a kid. I... Well, how many, before <laughs> we even get there, before we even get there. Once, once upon a time, when Bef I was a child. Yes. Before we even get there, how many how many different roles do you think you've had? Oh, gosh. Well, I know I've, I've kept track of theater, and I've done 167 plays. 167 plays. Yes. And I haven't done theater in many years. There are very few people who have been to 167 plays. <laughs> I started young. I was three. Yeah. What can I say? I, I've done tons of theater, which I loved. And that was actually, that was my big passion. But coming to L.A., that sort of shifted. Theater scares me the so, most because you have to get it right. Every single time. Like when I, I always thought I was always like, oh, I'm a terrible actor. And then I did a couple of movies and I realized like, oh, it's fine. They give you eight tries. Like all you got to do is get one of them. But with theater, ah, that's you have to get it. It's live. You have to get it. And not only that, but you're doing the play over and over again. So you don't just have to nail it the once. You have to nail it the once every night <laughs> over and over again and good and it, it has to be fresh for you too so yeah. if you get bored i mean i also it's something like doing a play ten thousand times would make me crazy i yeah. i love the freshness the newness general hospital when i work on general hospital you get one take yeah if you're lucky you'll get two and that's because they had a technical problem oh there's a boom there or there's a you know or there's a, the lighting wasn't right or really if you know if you really don't remember the lines but you have to remember your lines you, you get one take get, you get one take it's like theater it's like a porn 
<laughs> I don't it's, know about Fortnite. I mean, I've never been in one, but I'm just saying the idea of... Well, I, I did one by accident. You did, Okay, wait, you have to tell that story. <laughs> for, we'll get to the that failure was a big story success, in a second. Not a failure, I'm on the wrong show. But you, no. you did I a was porn an by accident? in New York, and, yeah. and they said they needed some background actors. And, you know, I was a new student, and they were yeah. like, oh, getting on a film set, how exciting. So they sent some of us over to this film set, and I was sitting next to, in a shoe store, buying shoes. And there was this... this um, guy sitting next to me, I don't know, maybe 30, 40, I was 20 something, so I don't yeah. know, maybe he could have been 25, but he looked like he was 40. Exactly, yeah. I don't know, as now everyone you know, looks like 20. No, yeah. no, I'm on the other side of that. But, um, and there was this young girl with red hair, she's really cute, and she was like sitting there, and, and she was helping him with the shoes, and I and I was just like, oh my God, I'm in a movie, I'm so excited. And she went, she went, you want me, I can say anything I want, right? Yes, oh, you can. You want me to suck your what? <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. And I was like, and I'm like very prude, very reserved, very virginal upbringing. I'm like, <gasps> yeah. and I leaned over to somebody on the other side and said, what's the name of this film? And they said, Angel Buns. Oh. So if anybody wants to see this film called Angel Buns, I just, I'm an extra. I just feel terrible that I introduced you as someone who was in 24 and Arrow. I have and to start somewhere. I didn't mention Angel Buns. <laughs> and that was a big success. So like I said, yeah. I'm on the wrong show for that. All right, that was, well, we'll go that to the failure now. We'll go to the failure. I mean, in a way, you know, it's a little of both. But uh, so, okay, hit us hit us with the first failure You know what? Story. This this career, it's, it's full of failures. I mean, that's part of the deal. And you have to, I, I want to say, they said you have to have a skin of a rhinoceros and the innards of a marshmallow because you always have to present yourself f- fully emotionally, everything. But on the outside, you have to be tough to take wow. all of this, the spars, the arrows, the jabbing. And anyway, it's lots of things happen. But wait, but first, if there's anyone yeah. listening who is good with artwork, I would love to see someone draw a rhinoceros with marshmallow insides. Yeah. Please do that. Because <laughs> that would be that will be the special artwork for this episode. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I come from a, um, an artistic family. My father was a symphony conductor. My mother mm-hmm. was an opera singer. So I grew wow. up in the arts. I was all I did was hear classical music. I mean, my father when he heard the Beatles, he said, "That's the devil." I mean, you know, he's like, my sister had an album, a Beatles album. He said, "If you ever play that, I'm breaking." She played it. He broke it. You know. So I mean, it was a wow. very conservative. Classical music upbringing, and I also not playing an album and breaking it are pretty much the same effect. <laughs> either way, you either, can't either way, listen. Loosely, you can't yeah. So I I heard the music and I just needed to express the emotion. I just got filled with emotion. I think I think the music instills emotion in, in everyone. That's why mm-hmm. the, if without a film without music is nothing. A horror film without sound, it's nothing. So the sound is so important, and I just got filled with all these emotions, and I was like, I I need to express this. So dance was was my venue. I found ballet. I saw Galina Ulanova. It was this? I was three years old. A little black and white television, and I saw this old recording of her doing. And she's just, she was this famous Russian ballerina, did Giselle. And I went three. That's what I want to do. At three. And honestly, I feel sorry for my parents. They both passed away. I'm sorry, guys. I apologize. I was unbearable because I'm this. I'm this. Haven't changed <laughs> in the many decades. I I just it was like I had to do it. I'm yeah. I'm a Leo, whatever that means. August thirteenth, you know, it's like you certain personality traits. I just had to do it, and nothing could stop me. So I, that's all I wanted to do. I would dance around the house. People would come over. I'd be dancing. I I was unbearable. So anyway, but I I did start studying, and that was my dream. That's all I wanted to do, and I wanted to do it in the Bolshoi with the Bolshoi ballet because that's where she danced in wow. Russia. 
So you saw you saw this dancer when you were three. Three. And you were like, I'm going to do exactly that. That's it. Yeah. With a Bolshoi ballet, I'm going to become a prima ballerina with a Bolshoi. Not one of the chorus, which is fine, but I'm like, I am a prima ballerina material. Which, That's what I'm Which happens do. all the time with kids, but then a week later, then they see something else that they want to do. No, 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 no. Yeah. Today, I still know. Yeah. So... So that's what I did. And I had, I danced with fervor and gusto and, and that's all I wanted. And I studied and I practiced and my, again, I just feel sorry for my parents. When you have a child who's so determined, it's wonderful and it's a curse. It's a blessing and a curse because you're, you know, people say, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I'm going thinking, how nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're not cursed with this. I driven this. So I, that's all I did for many, 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 many years. And it's also the opposite of because usually when you hear a three year old sort of dancing, it's because they have crappy stage parents. Yeah. You went the other way. You were like you were the stage kid that forced your parents into being stage parents. They didn't want it. They (laughs) had nothing. And they didn't even want us to be musicians. They said, you and your sister, you know, it's too hard a life. Don't do it. Do something else. So um, I hate the too hard a life thing. (laughs) You hear but, that all the time from but people? But everything's hard. People work nine to five and they hate it and they're miserable and, and that's hard. Yeah, Danny Giles, who was a guest so. on the show, has a has a great joke about, you know, people saying that about people in the arts, but the dentist, but dentists have the highest suicide rate. And how come no one ever tells dentists that? Wow, I didn't know that. How come no one ever says when you're going to enroll in dental school? I don't want to botch a joke. But anyway, the point is <laughs> that the, the too hard a life thing is like, tell me a life that isn't. Yeah, it's so. true. And everyone's life is a film. Everyone has a book in them. Everyone is interesting. Doesn't matter what they do or how they do it. It's you know even the most busiest successful person might not be as interesting as someone who's had a very calm, beautiful, peaceful life, and the nuances of the life and the love and things that's that you a, don't always lot, get. That's a lot so. kinder than I think. So you're a better person. But continue. Yeah, that was good, good acting. <laughs> I'm like, no, some, no, I really. Some, I some people that. have some people's books are pretty boring, but uh, <laughs> it's, all how it, it's the way it's <laughs> spun and right, written. Right. So my mother said, okay. Darling, <laughs> Dragam, I'm Hungarian. Yeah. And so it got a lot of my son, my darling, my child, if you want to be a dancer. And as I got older, I, I kept dancing and dancing. My mother said, you know, you really want to go to the Bolshoi, you need to study Russian. I'm like, okay. So I, I, I was very true. And I speak Hungarian because my parents, they, they left in 1956 from Hungary during the revolution. So that was like basically my first language. So I spoke Russian, uh, I spoke Hungarian and English, and so I went to study Russian. And I learned to speak fluently and kept dancing and preparing and preparing to go. I started crying. I had an injury. Oh, wow. I fell down. And that was the end of dance. So that was... The end of my life. We haven't run into that before on the show. The idea of, you know, that's the... there's, I don't want to spoil the movie that this is in, but that's the, you know, the person who wants to be a pilot who's colorblind and you just can't. That was my husband. Yeah. Because he wanted to be a pilot more than anything else. His father worked for Lockheed and and, uh, he he just grew up with a passion for flying. He wanted to be a pilot and he he couldn't be a professional pilot because he had problems with his eyes. Years later, he had LASIK. It was fine. But at that time. Yeah. He he wasn't able to, so he became an architect instead. And, but it's interesting you give that up. And yeah, and and an injury because I mean most of the other stories that we've dealt with here so far have been either the person telling the story screwed up, made a you know made a mistake, or they dealt with someone pulling the rug out from under them. 
But to have a physical injury that stops you from doing something, especially when you're, I mean, you're busy learning Russian, trying to, you're not just trying to become a dancer, you're, you're laser focused on that. I wasn't actually, um, my mother said, you know, take some singing and take some acting lessons too, yeah. you know. So I kind of started doing a little bit, some other stuff, but I was still, Bolshoi, Russia, the, here I come. Yeah, you're the with high school the, pitcher with a 98 mile an hour fastball who breaks his shoulder. And and that's what happened. I, I, I don't think you can break a shoulder. He throws out yes, a shoulder. Yes, you can. Yeah, you, you can, can break you a can shoulder. Definitely, you can break a shoulder bone or shoulder something. I'm sure. It, look, something. don't at home. Ow. You can at get home, an Don't show us pictures. <laughs> don't send us pictures of you breaking your shoulder. See, you can. Show. But the point is that you know it, it is. You are the you know the high school prospect with the torn ACL, whatever it is, to just prevent that career from happening. It was. I mean, it didn't. I wasn't handicapped. Nothing. But for a year, I couldn't dance. What was the injury? Lower back. Wow. Four and five, whatever it was. Fell down, terrible fall. I couldn't do anything for a year. Yeah. Now, based on what movies I've seen, did another dancer push you? Because it does no. not always happen. No? Okay. No, I was I was actually, it was embarrassing. I was waitressing, earning money to pay for dance classes, slipped and fell. Oh. I would like to say a ballet, ballet partner dumped me, but no, that's yeah. not what happened. So um, at the time... I remember being on, on up on the 16th floor of building, looking at going, my life is over. Wow. I looked down and went, no. <laughs> yeah. No, because I'm curious about this life, this person. I kind of climbed outside my body, outside of this heartbroken person. And not went, onto the ledge. Just not onto the ledge. Still within the just window. Just outside the body. And I went, yeah. are you stupid? First of all, I come from a family. We've had some suicides in it and stuff, and I have friends who've Parents have, you know, it's like, it's a horrible thing. It's like, are you kidding? We're only here for a short time. Yeah. Stick around, find out what happens. So I found the humor. I think you're a fabulous comedian. I think Thank it's you. it's so important to keep finding humor in everything. And and at the times, <laughs> through the tears, you find the humor. And at yeah. the time, it was very, very tragic. But also, it was kind of like, are you stupid? How old I, were you? 16. You were 16. Well, no, I'm sorry. When I fell down, I was 18. Yeah. But I remember actually 16, there was something else. But anyway, when I was 18, yeah, just, fell down. Yeah, just the just, idea just the... of, because to you as an 18-year-old, <clears throat> you don't see how little of life that is. No. You, that's all you, all I knew was dance. I didn't know boys. I didn't know anything, yeah. really. I knew I finished school. I was ready to move to the next step. I was ready with the Russian, with the dance. You know, so many things were ready. And then the rug was tr literally taken out. And I went, okay. And and again, I kind of became a fly on the wall. And, and to this day, I sort of do that too. Every time I go through, through a failure, I go, okay, get out and look at yourself. And I go, there's so much. There's so many other things. There's just, you know, there's, I mean, it wasn't like, oh, everything's fine. It wasn't that kind of thing at all. It took yeah. time. And I was heartbroken. But let's not skip past this for a moment because yeah. that is a very interesting strategy. The idea of looking at it from a third person perspective, yeah. taking, taking you out of yourself and just, just taking a moment and going, okay, let's examine this situation. What, you know, what really am I facing here? Because the um, the fight or flight instinct kicks in. Oh yeah. When Survival. you are when you are, but when you are in such a frenzy, you can't get away from that, and you're just going fight, flight, fight, flight, and whatever it is that you're doing. Whereas if you can take a moment and pull yourself out of that mm -hmm. and actually take a rational approach, that is. It's a very difficult thing to do, but it it's is, important. It's important. And I think with age, you learn, you know, now looking back going, 
you know, I hate to say what if I knew then what I know now. Yeah. I mean, all those things just kind of lead you to another door, to another this. But at the time, that was it. I was done. Right. So I I, remember I was extremely depressed. And my mother was like, you know, why don't you take some, maybe take an acting lesson or something? Because I had done some acting in school since I was a little kid. I was in a play and when I was three. And then I did some more plays. And- yeah, maybe you can act in something that requires a hurt back. That's right. Sorry. Yeah, you can't act so as you, like you a can't like act. you can't act on. I wasn't crippled, thankfully. I right. was just you know, and again now retrospectively, I'm so lucky. That, I mean, nothing serious happened. You see people, and that always inspires me when I see somebody in a wheelchair. Yeah. And they're and they're playing a, a game, you know, with a, a sports, or they're competing in the Olympics or something. And I go, are you, you know, shame on you? And I just want to slap myself. Shame on you to you, not to them. Shame on me. Not on you guys. Congratulations to you. If someone's listening, not really carefully. Let me say that just again. Shame on me, Kathleen Gaddy. Shame for even thinking, even feeling this much, you know, a tiny bit of sympathy for yourself when when some people have overcome serious obstacles, serious challenges. Yes, but at the, but at the same time, when people say the thing of like, oh, first world problems, it's like, well, where do I live? Yeah. I live in the first yeah. world. You yeah. know, it's like, okay, yeah. well. And this is my problem. Yeah, you this stubbed is, your toe. Right. Someone else broke their leg. It's like, my right. toe still hurts. That's right. You know? And, so you and still I live th- within your pain. I do think people should be allowed to live within their pain. And I yeah. do think people, but at the same time, you can pick yourself back up. And we're going to talk more about how that happened with you after this break. Come back and you'll hear another one of the stories. Back on Failing Forward with Kathleen Gaddy, and when we when you left off, the thrilling conclusion of the saga. I'm gonna jump off the window. But um, no. Yeah, exactly. This is now we're getting more General Hospital than we are Arrow. Oh, so, I was always soapy. It's oh perfect. So all right, we're back to the soap opera here. So you you spend the first 18 years of your life, or 15 of the first 18 years of your life, working toward a specific goal, right. and then suddenly you have to reinvent yourself. That's right, and I. That was lost. I'll, I'll try to keep this short. Went to act. I, I did an acting class, and I went, "Oh, you can put all that emotion into words that somebody wrote, without having to, you know, use your back or or hurt yourself or injuries because you're always being injured as a dancer. You're always injured anyway. Ankles, your feet, or whatever. So it was this incredible discovery. And because you're young, you if you're not exposed to it, you don't know. And I was exposed to a lot of things as a child. It's very fortunate. Theater and and art and visual arts and all, all those kind of things. But but it never grabbed me the way dance did. So I became very blinder, horse blinders on, which I think is, which is, I was going to say later, that you have to keep those on in life. I'll, I'll bounce around, but you've got to keep your blinders on. You can't listen to the noise, which I'm. That's okay. Thing. Well, but let's talk about this about for a second. I don't want to so, lose that. So we'll go we'll go back into okay. reinventing yourself, but explain okay. a little bit more about that because some people there's very, there's a lot of conflicting advice of like, okay, stay in your lane, but then there's also like, well, maybe your lane isn't the right lane. How do you know? That's right. So what do you mean by keep your blinders on? That was actually I was going to mention that later because um, I started acting, and with the acting, I heard a lot of things. You're not pretty enough. You're not slim enough. This is 30, 35, 40 years ago. It was different. Today, you can be anything. But then it was like, yeah. you have to look cookie cutter. You got to look like everybody else. But people still hear that. You, you know, even yeah, today, people still hear that. Now, there are roles. There are everybody. more roles for everybody. You know, it used to be that the ugly friend was only a 9 out of 10. Yeah. Now, you know, <laughs> now they actually do have. Yeah. Yeah. But 
you know, but even now people all the time are being told, you know, I, I have, I have friends who are told, oh, you know, you're not black enough for this role. You're too black for that role. You know, oh, you yeah. are not hear, trim I, enough for this. You got to eat more for that. Definitely. There's a lot of that in this yeah. business. And so I can only imagine what it was when you were starting. It was it was tough. It mm-hmm. was tough because I went to New York because I thought I want to be a real actor. I'm one of those. My parents were like, "You want to do the real thing? You study with the real people." So I went to New York as opposed to Hollywood because they had good, better training there supposedly. So that was again 40, 30, 40 years. Still ago. probably do. But they're very, it's all about theater training. So yeah. I'm, I'm a serious theater trained actor. That's kind of my background, yeah. classically trained. But but that was what I wanted. I just wanted to to again do all these express things. And anyway, and I got a, a chance to audition for. Um, <clears throat> not sure which I should tell first, but all uh, all my children. So I, I started working on that. But let me just back up a bit. Okay. I, I went to acting school. I had this wonderful teacher. It was blind. Robert Ravan, amazing teacher. And uh, he said, I, he had a very attractive young boy in the class. And he said, I, I, he's, he has a big audition at, at uh, ABC. And I want you to go help him do the scene from Ordinary People. He said, you're a kick-ass actress. You will be the right one for him to make him shine. So we did the scene. It was a good scene. We both did a great job. It was for a big casting director at All My Children. I'm sorry, at ABC. I'm not going to say who, but a very, very big person. Okay. And she, she was all over the guy. Oh, man, you're just so good looking and just wonderful. And and it was a good audition for both of us. Yeah. But she looked at me and she said, honey, you're a wonderful actress, but I'm sorry, you're not ABC material. You're never going to work for us. Ooh. And first of all, I was oh, there you, just to help them. Say her name? Cause no. Right. She's still alive. <laughs> well, well, that's my point. Let's get her. No, no, no because it's, it gets better. Because... Um, I was, it was a huge failure. It, to me, that was, and I'll never, obviously it's still with me. Because that's not even a, oh, you messed up. That's a someone literally telling you. You are a wonderful actress. That you are incredibly talented. However, your physical appearance will prevent you from. Working for hours. Which is ridiculous. Also, by the way, I love that the, the teacher who sent the guy to that in the first place was blind. Because he definitely did not care about that no. or didn't know. Um, and just to, ah, oh, how do you? That was that was very, very, very hard. How long till you stopped crying? Because I would have, it would have been a few days, I think, for me. There was a lot of ice cream involved. Fair. <laughs> not, I, I wasn't drinking. I'm not really a drinker, so, but yeah. there was some ice cream involved. But Rum raisin, maybe. Oh, <laughs> yes. <It's, laughs> you know. That's how you have the, that's how you get away with the drinking while having the ice cream. I mean, I, I, I'll just jump ahead and then I'm going to jump back. But approximately many decades later, yeah, <laughs> I, I met her at, at some event. And she looked at me and she said, you look so familiar. Have I met you before? Have I seen you in something? What? And I said, actually, yes, we met, I don't know, how many years ago, 20-something years ago. We, yes, we, we did. And she goes, wow, that's wonderful. I'd never said and by the way, what you said. And she said, oh, yes, we did. We met. Oh, that's nice. Well, what have you been doing with yourself? And oh, the joy. The joy <laughs> said, of being able to be well, like. Well, I've just done 350 episodes of General Hospital on ABC. As it turns out, I am ABC material. Uh, I was, let's see what other show. I, um, I was on All My Children on ABC. I, and I listed. I ju- I, it was so enjoyable. <laughs> each yeah. word, each show that I mentioned, a list of all the different shows on and, ABC. And there are people that I had who done. will say, 
oh, you need to get over stuff like that. Don't carry it with you. Oh, I vehemently it's disagree. Still here. I vehemently <laughs> disagree. Don't let it destroy you. Don't let it no, hurt you. Let it strengthen you. But let it be bulletin board material. Let it be something that focuses you because you know the the oh the best revenge is living well no 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 the best revenge yeah. is living well in front of someone oh that is much better revenge <laughs> and also she there, there's part of me that wanted you to tell her what she said i did but i no. good no and, oh That's you're saying you wanted to or no, no, you did no i wanted to but no i but i told no, it was better just why. to tell her all the success i understand but at the same yeah. time i wanted her to learn her lesson it's not even the karma it's not the justice it's of it it's not the karma there's no karma it's the yeah that. it's it's the it's her knowing how wrong she was how destructive she was i uh not to make this episode at all about me no, but i want to um my late night debut was on ferguson on uh, the late late show oh, and the way that process happened and i've never really talked about this publicly before. Um, the way that process happened was I was recommended by Jim Gaffigan to the booker. And that's a big deal. He that carries a, a ton deal. of weight. Yes. Now the booker, that was his last week there. He happened to be leaving. So he gave my information to the new booker and said, hey, this recommendation came in from Gaffigan. Take a look. Now I don't hear back from her. It's about a year later. She goes on maternity leave. And when she does, she sends all her records to the new new booker, who is now going to take the reins for six months or however long she was out. She sends him an email. Actually, she sends me an email meant for him oh. that says, this recommendation came in through Jim Gaffigan. I think he thinks he's funnier than he is. Now, I replied... And simply said, "I am funnier than I think I am." Well, yeah. <laughs> Be like, He's not right. only am I very He's funny, right. but I'm even funnier than that. So, and I'll show you. I just reply. I just replied very. I just wanted. Okay, you need to know that nice. I saw this. Nice. So all I did was I replied and I said, "Hey, I don't think this was meant for me. Just leave it at that. Let her panic. Let her worry about what she just Oopsie did. Pie. Don't show any emotion. Just say." I've seen what you did. And so she profusely apologizes, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the new booker, independently of all that, um, knew my manager, and she talked to him about coming out to see me, and I had one of the best sets I've ever had that night. Good. I walked off stage. A friend of mine was in the audience, and I walked off stage, and I said, if I don't get it from that, I'm not getting it. And I did. Um, a few days later, I got a call. We you know, we taped a little bit after that. Now, by the time we taped, she, the booker who had emailed me, was back at work. And in this very weird, like, I think she was trying to pass it off all as a joke and be like, hey, we're all buddy-buddy now that you're doing the show. She, in the green room, in front of a bunch of my friends, was, like, egging me on to tell the story of what happened. And I said, I was like, are you sure you want me to tell that story? Like, I stopped short of being like, because you're the bad guy. You're the bad guy that was defeated. You are the Night King. And so I, but I just, I told the story as compassionately as possible. And it was so awkward for everyone in the room. Because, like, all my friends were just kind of sitting there and be like, you did what to him? Why would you do that? That's so mean to do, you know? It was just a very weird thing. And so that's one where, like, I hope at the very least... You know, she learned to read who she's sending emails to. I hope she got that yeah, lesson. Yeah, we, we're all guilty of 
those yeah, things. We're, we're, we've all made that mistake, <laughs> that but that was one where, person. yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, okay, back to you. No, no, I, these yeah. are just, you know, New York was a plethora of, oh, you you know, your nose is too big. You yeah. should have your teeth fixed. I did. I had a big space like Lauren Hutton in between my teeth. I had that filled. You can have a great commercial career if you do that. Never got a commercial. You know, it's like you can't listen to the noise. People will always say. So you that's do what this. you mean by the blinders. You're not, you think you're funnier than you are. It's yeah. bullshit. You're not right for ABC you're 300 right episodes for later. And maybe she was maybe at the time I was, you know, although I started working for ABC really quickly, actually, I got all my children. And that's a little story there, too. But it, it, it's there's just so many people that either parents, my parents, they were great. My mom was really supportive. My dad was like, you're, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, you're, you're like a clown. You know, well, you know but this is ridiculous. We, we think you take the, yourself seriously. The lesson of, you know, of the of the blinders, the, the lesson yeah. of. So many people's advice is incorrect. And also, there there's a phrase I like to tell young comedians, which is when you get a no in Hollywood, and I mean professionally, mm-hmm. otherwise it does mean no. But when you get a, <laughs> a no, no should mean no. Right. When you get a no in Hollywood, <laughs> yeah. in your career, it doesn't mean never. It right. means not now or it means not this way. And so if you're told you're not right for ABC, Maybe what she means is you're not right for ABC until I get fired. Maybe she means you're not right for ABC until someone new comes in on the helm and shakes things up. And, you know, or maybe she means you're not right for ABC now and that'll change with something you'll do or with something they'll do, whatever it is. The point is that she's only right in that moment. Yeah. And, and there's a whole bunch of things about that. For example, you go to an audition. This used to happen. Now everything's through the computer. You would sit there and the mailman would come in with like six or ten of these huge boxes full of photos and res- pictures and resumes yeah. and put them down next to you. And you're sitting there and you're going, oh, boy. So, you know, it's daunting. You go to an audition and there's 20, 30 actors and they look kind of like you or any. Maybe they don't look like you anymore, but they all could do the role. Yeah. Because at this point, especially my career now, you're kind of like, okay, there's 10 of us here, but each one of us could do this role because they trust us enough to bring us in. But then I'm going, oh my God, I cast her. She looks, oh. you know, you can't do that yeah. to yourself. I mean, I've done some casting and producing and I and I go, yeah, she'd be great. She gets the role. You, you, know, it's like, <laughs> you just have to do the best you can do. You have to. And there are times I've been to some auditions because I speak Russian and I've made fun of my parents for decades with their funny accents. Sorry, guys. I love their accents. I do a lot of work with a Russian accent or German or whatever it is. I, I love doing accents. So I get a lot of things with other against competing against other Russians. I go to auditions and there'd be 10 of us in the room. And there's one girl specifically. I hope you know who you are. And she always tries to sabotage me to this day. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh. So she goes, what are you doing here? You're not Russian. You shouldn't be here. It's like, hmm, really? I'm, I'm up for this. Actually, I'm on the short list. It's just you and me and a third girl. And for two weeks, they wanted me for the role. And they just like, they have to have a native, you know, Russian. But they're giving me another shot. And I'm, I'm at Spielberg's casting office. What's your problem? You know, so. I love the idea that she's literally <laughs> saying, like, why are you for here for this acting role? You're just here acting. It's like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's <laughs> what we're supposed breathing. to do. <laughs> right. All you're doing is just being you. So I go and hide in the bathroom. Usually most auditions, whether it's these Russian things or whatever I do, and there's just a bunch of people, I have to have that private space. So I go hide in the stall. 
I do whatever I have to do or just hide in there. Or, and, and I just focus on what I'm doing. I don't look at the other actors. I don't look at the stacks of, you know, this or the, the four or five casting people and their assistants. They're like, you know, looking you up and down. I don't care about any of that. I can't. I mean, I do care. I can't care. I have to keep my blinders on. I can't listen to the noise of this girl or that person. Or it's just too, you, it's so easy to be distracted and to throw you off your game. Yeah. It's just so easy. Even by a casting director. And actually, recently, I had an audition for someone who's cast me. And I've worked for her, and she loved me. And, and, and I hadn't seen her in a couple of years. And I've been on General Hospital for several years. And it was a dramatic role, fabulous, fabulous role. I always go unprepared. I, I, I'm terrible at home. All I do is my poor husband, he doesn't get to eat or sleep until I'm done with the audition. I just study and focus on the, the acting and the, if it's comedy. You know, every moment is just so thought out. And, and so I, I went in fully prepared for this wonderfully lovely dramatic role. And this, right before I start, she says to me, oh, honey, just don't be too soapy. Oh, that's got to get in your head. And, I'm like, yeah. you know, and I'm prepared on so my opening, taking off that the rhinoceros skin. I'm like, okay, here's my marshmallow guts. I'm right. pouring out and I'm ready. to. And, and then she, she says, just lights a fire underneath the marshmallow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the skin is crispy, yeah. crispy, which is good. But in this case, and I thought, yeah. I haven't even good, started. But it's, it's tough. And, and I went, is that because I've been on a soap playing this comedic, soapy, campy character, which is broader than anyone else on the show because that's what they pay me to do? I'm yeah. the comic relief of the show. Are you kidding me? So I was totally thrown. So I pulled everything back, you know, in like yeah. five, four nanoseconds. <laughs> Change all that to so all the work that I did for like that past several days getting ready. She just, yeah. I, I just and you can't let and, you can't let that throw you, but it's so hard to not let that. Well, throw I had to you. change, shift my. I said, "Don't yeah. be soapy. Don't be soapy. What does that mean? Okay, that means don't be too dramatic." Da, da, da. So I, I changed it, yeah. and at the end of my auditions, like thirty second, one minute, two minute scene, whatever, she says, oh, "You should have been a little more dramatic." Oh. I wanted to stab her. <laughs> I like, had <sighs> I had someone once tell me this was while I was a sportscaster. And I came in to read for when The Onion was doing that Onion Sports Network. And I came in to read for a part of a sportscaster. And I had someone tell me to be more like a sportscaster. And I'm like, I am a sportscaster. I know exactly what they're like. I'm not being like your perception of a sportscaster. I also once had someone tell me to be more over the top and subtle at the same time. And I was like, what? I'm just going to go, <laughs> you know, like at that point, I'm just like, all right, you don't know what you want. So how can you know what, what you want from do. me? That's right. And, but the, it's so much of getting any job, whether it's acting or otherwise, yeah. is going in there feeling like you don't need it. And the second that someone takes that confidence from you, the second that someone- Then you need it. <laughs> right, exactly. Then you need that validation. Then you're like, but I could do this, but I got to do that, you know? And yeah. And so that is, oh, that's a tough one. That, and that was recently. And it's like, I've been doing this a long time. Trust me. Let me do what I do. And then after, yeah. if you think it's too dramatic, too soapy, yeah. I'll change it. But also, but it, that was very. the other thing way. is you have to trust yourself. You have to not, you have to make those, you know, they always say make choices when it comes to acting. Of course. And you have to, you know, and part of that choice is that person on the other side of the desk doesn't always know what they're doing. And, you know, put down the best thing you could put down, do your art and walk away. I, I remember I had an audition for this. 300 pound uh, hotel clerk in in uh, a film called Hollywood Sign many years ago. So you were auditioning to be a 300 pound? 300 pound, and I was like, wow, they needed a Russian something. Yeah. So, uh, so like, maybe they'll went, change the role for me. 
I yeah. thought, well, okay, I can't be 300 pounds. I can eat a lot, but that that's not going to do it. I have like yeah. a few days. So I went in as a pregnant. I thought, oh, so I came up with something crazy. Yeah. And oh, and I, I heard about the audition. I didn't have an audition, but I wanted this audition. I heard about it and I went, ooh, and, the, and my manager like, well, you're not 300 pounds. You can't do this role. Yeah. So he was a Russian manager. Anyway, so I thought, hmm, what can I do? So I, I dressed up very pregnant, put on this big polka dot top, I remember, took a, 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 one of those burnt yellow cigars or cigarillos yeah. or something, kind of put that in my mouth, put on tons of makeup, went to the casting office, dropped off the face, like, a lot of heavy breathing. You know, I, I, I was told I, they could have thrown me the hell yeah. out of Dodge, and I went, I have a picture as me. I hear your casting. Someone told me to drop off picture. I don't know. Yeah. I did something. They were like, what? They're like, who? What is this person? Got the yeah. audition, got the job. That's incredible. So, you know, sometimes you just have to take chances and put yourself out there. Yeah. And there was a time when actually, I think it was the same casting people. And I went in, there was a part and I thought, oh, I'm going to be, it was like this kind of cuckoo lady. I went in all pink, top to bottom pink. I just was like, you know, Never mind just the acting, but the look that just went in, yeah. like pink shoes, pink dress, pink lipstick. Pink. And they looked at me. There were like three, four people sitting there that I had lost my marbles. And they were like, get her the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. So it doesn't <laughs> so always work. So that worked work. against me. But, you know, yeah. you have to take a chance. It's not just with them. They say make a choice and go in. And you fail all the time. In this career, you fail all the time. I was, um, I got called in for, um, they were going to do a spinoff of The Office, of The Office, Office. Office. They were going to do Office. A, yeah, they were going to do a spinoff. Pink Bra. still pink, pink, pink. spinoff of The Office <laughs> with where it was going to be, it was called The Farm and it was going to be Dwight Schrute after The Office. And so I got called in to read to, for his brother. And I was all excited about it and I get there and it's like almost everybody there looks somewhat like me. And then there's one guy who's like a short, fat black guy. And like the guy next to me was kind of like, what's he doing here? And I looked at him and I go, I think he's got the best chance to get the role. I was like, we're all the same here. That's you know, right. if That's they're right. looking for a different look, if they're, if they want to write in that Dwight somehow has a short, fat black brother, then he has the role. That's that right. guy's got the role. That's right. And so, you, but you never really know what they're looking for. And so you just you take can't. a chance and go be you. And I mean, you've certainly done a hell of a job at that. I mean, we went over your resume in the beginning, but it's, yeah. <laughs> I, I just want to jump back to, um, I was in New York, and I, one of the things, the other things that I, I always tell, because I've done a lot of coaching, and I tell kids or young people, whatever, or older people, whoever, that you have to do the work. I, I had an agent once, and, and I, they said, you know, the reason you get 90% and we get 10% of your paycheck is because you do 90% of the work. And that has stayed with me, and that is so true. You have to make the effort. You go out and you meet. When I first came to, actually a lot of things happened in the way, but I, when I first came to LA, I did a lot of workshops. I was 40 years old, came as long story, I wasn't hungry. If there's time, I'll tell you about that story. But I came here and I met Mark Teschner, casting director for General Hospital, probably about, about 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. That's when I first came here, yes, 21 years. And uh, he was, you know, hello, audition, goodbye. That was it, and never heard from him. You know, and I thought I, 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 I this because I have a soap background. But anyway, I'll get into that yeah. too. So anyway, I kept in touch with him. I sent flyers, and this is something that you ha you do the ninety percent of the work. Send flyers, postcards, 
every time I did a play, every time I did a, something on television, I'm, you know, playing a German one, I'm playing a Russian person, I'm playing, yeah. a, you know, a doctor, whatever it was, I'm doing a theater, I would keep in touch, with, especially with people, you build relationships, you keep in touch, keep in touch. Today, it's a little harder. Now, everyone's, they don't take mail, you know, those big boxes of mail don't really show up anymore. Yeah. They don't really look at this stuff unless some do, but but anyway, I kept in touch for years and years and years and years. And 14 years later, I was brought in by Mark Teschner, who has nine Emmys lined up on his <laughs> on his counter and his keys hanging on because he knows what he's doing. He brought me in for a two day role as a German, Swiss German nurse, doctor, ahead of a psych, psychiatric hospital, two days. And six and a half years later, 350 episodes. Yeah. It's because of him, because he remembered, and because of my work, keeping in touch, letting him know, I'm doing another show, I just did this, I'm still alive, keep me in mind. You know, it was like, yeah. it took 14 years. <laughs> People are like, is that failure, or is that success? Uh, I think that is absolutely success, because that's how, I mean, the way I got my show on Fox was, I think, five years after someone saw me at a comedy club, and I stayed in touch, and every yeah. time I came out to LA, Oh, you know, you want to grab lunch or you want to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually, because he didn't have anything for me and it wasn't personal. Yeah. He didn't have anything that I fit. And then he That's did. Same thing. And I, again, I wasn't typical. I'm not typical this or typical yeah. that. So you found something for me and it worked. And after the two episodes, they liked me and they kept writing and I'm very yeah. grateful. So it, it's success. It was failure for 14 years. Then it's success, but a lot of work. So people talk about failure. Are you doing the work? You have yeah. to keep doing the work. You fall down, you pick yourself up, you keep going. You know, you feel sorry for yourself. I remember a friend of mine, she became a, a psychologist, a therapist, and she said, you know, it's okay if you feel sorry for yourself. You need some time to feel sorry for yourself, not too long. So take whatever it is, half an hour, a day, a week, and then move on because life is yeah. short, it's compact, and you need to just, you know, enjoy whatever you can. Yeah, I usually, I usually take the rest of the day, and it's the next morning I wake up going, all right, let's go. Yeah. And that's Yeah, that's a that's a That's usually how I do it. Um I could talk to you for hours and I appreciate <laughs> you coming in. There's still so much ground for us to cover. Maybe we'll have you back on one if you want. I would love to, to. just want to say one thing. Absolutely. A lot of things, but one thing is that I think because of the dance and the failure of that and, the, yeah. and the, this thing happened and that thing happened that I realize now looking back, I'm so grateful because I have a whole life. I would be retired like 20 years ago. I would have retired from dance and I would have had nothing. And I'm so grateful. All the things happened that led me to here. Mm -hmm. And every time there's a failure now, it sounds creepy, but I get kind of excited because I'm like going, okay, this job didn't happen. That means there's something better. Well, but and you just said all the things that happened, but it's yeah. all the ways that you made them happen. It's all the... Like, yeah, falling was not a thing that you made happen, but, but getting up was. was. Get, maybe, but getting yeah. up was. Yeah, maybe it was and, meant to happen. And yeah, and, and whether or not it was, yeah. that doesn't even matter because what matters is that you took, you took this woman who was like, you're not right for ABC, and you said, how many episodes am I going to do? And, you know, and, and you, you take, you know, not getting an audition or not getting a role in front of, you know, this casting director. And 14 years later, you turn that into a recurring role that becomes a series regular. And so that is, that's not what happened. That's what you made happen after what happened. And that's what led you to where you are. It's, you have to make it happen. Yeah. And you can't give up. And yes, there's times you want to change and that's fine too. Like you said, what happens if, you, if this ends? 
do something else right. that you love. Find something you love. I love, you know what? Let's go take on the world. Um, <laughs> this was wonderful. Thank you for uh, having me Kathleen, here. thank you so I much. I really appreciate can it. Can you tell the folks uh, where they can find out more about you, where they can see your work? I'm on IMDb, obviously. Plug what you want to plug, and anything at all. I'm on Instagram and Twitter as at Gatti Tweets, G-A-T-I Tweets, and or Kathleen Gatti, anywhere. Just follow <laughs> Just her. Google, and, Facebook, and watch, everywhere. Watch the dozen shows she's currently on. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank and thanks, me. everybody, uh, for listening, for rating, for commenting, for subscribing, for all that stuff, for sharing this with your friends. And uh, we'll see you again next week.